0: Good morning and welcome to Chapel Community Worship at Whitworth University. Wherever you are today, all around the world, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that we can find some way to be together in this unpredictable, and uncertain time. But here we come to worship God today. Welcome. We want to let you know a couple things that are going on as we adjust and offer opportunities for Whitworth community to take steps closer to Jesus. We have a daily Shema of the Day video on Instagram. You can check those out from a little quick word of encouragement from one of our campus ministry staff and a way to engage and interact with each other on there as well. We want to keep connecting in community in any way we can. I hope you're able to do that as well with your close community friends from Whitworth to stay connected here as we go through this time.
1: Things because, oh, hello. I am live. Uh, Because of recent developments, uh, we will not be meeting live, although there are a few spread out here in the chapel for our uh, Tuesday community worship service. But we will be streaming our series through uh, Deuteronomy. So you'll hear from us as we're continuing to preach on the Shema to Listen to the surprisingly good news in Deuteronomy. So we hope you live stream in with us as we do this. Also, we're still thinking what to do on Thursdays. We'll let you know. We had a lot of ideas. We're not quite sure, but we'll keep you on the loop on Thursdays.
2: And finally, we want you to know that even though you may not be here with us physically, we know you're here with us spiritually. And we want you to know that our campus ministry staff is still available for pastoral counseling and care. So send us your emails and your prayer request and to set up a time to talk to us via email, text, Zoom. <laughs> and in a moment, our distance players will start singing. Sing along with us. Feel free to sing with us or just to simply just immerse in worship. And as Beck comes to read to us Psalms 91, let us take a few moments to just breathe in three good breaths. So on the count of three, one, two, three. God bless you this morning.
1: thank you well good morning whitworth community near and far we're so grateful that you've joined us via live stream i know that we have people watching this service all over the country and all over the world because they've told me so so it's such a wonderful thing to be able to gather together and to worship god and to encourage one another throughout the millennia god's people have turned to the psalms for words of comfort and peace and worship and so now we'd like to turn to Psalm 91 for those words of comfort. This is the word of God to us this morning from Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. Yes, you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. And the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Amen.
2: Amen. As we go into prayer, I will read the first and then you will respond in the bold. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my strong hold. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, team. Thank you for our socially distanced worship team. What a gift. Although after spring break, we are planning on picking up our Deuteronomy series again, today we're going to take a pause and talk together about our current situation I wish we could be talking in person, but this is better than nothing, and I'm really grateful that we can take the time still to choose to be in community and look to God together this morning. In this time of great uncertainty and unrest, I've been thinking about examples in the Bible and in the history of the church of disruption. Disruption to God's people and how they have responded. What can we learn from our brothers and sisters in the past To help us today in this disruptive and unsure time. As I look through scripture, and when things have gone well for God's people in crisis, it's because they have embraced three key truths who God is, who they are, and God's unique kingdom purposes for them in the midst of the challenges they face. Who God is, who they are, and God's unique kingdom purposes for them as they respond in the midst of challenges. We see this throughout Scripture and in other times of crisis in the church, but I want to highlight just a couple examples this morning. We're going to stick in the Old Testament at least this morning and look at an often forgotten story from the book of Judges. Gideon. You may remember Gideon from his fleece-testing God, but we're going to actually go back before that to Judges chapter 6. We see this dire and hopeless situation where Gideon is in. The Israelites are being brutally ruled by the Midianites. The Midianites don't care about the Israelites' well-being. They, Worse than that, they actually come every year at harvest time, bring their livestock into Israel, and trample the land and the crops. This happens year after year for seven long years. Bad news after bad news after bad news. Sound familiar? To the point where desperate and impoverished, the Israelites are hungry and they don't know where to turn. The grocery store shelves are bare. And finally, they do the first right thing they've done in a while. They cry out to the Lord, just like we're doing today. And God responds to their cry and sends a prophet there to remind them of who he is and who they are. We read it in Judges chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, where it says this, "'The Lord says to them, "'Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, "'I led you up out from the land of Egypt "'and brought you out of the house of slavery, "'and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians "'and from the hand of all who oppressed you. "'And I said, I am the Lord your God. "'You shall not pay reverence to the gods of the Amorites "'in whose land you live.' but you have not given heed to my voice. The people cry out, and God answers and reminds them, remember, I am your God. I'm the one. I'm the one deliverer who rescued you out of Egypt because you are my people. Stop looking elsewhere for hope and security, thinking that that will make things better. Look to me. In other words, God reminds the Israelite people in crisis, first and foremost, who he is. The true God, the one true God, their living hope. And then, who they are as his people, his beloved chosen people. Then, in his mercy, God sends an angel to raise up a new leader for the people. You would have thought that God would have sent his angel to a strong leader, who is boldly standing up against the Midianites, or maybe a great thought leader writing policy on how to negotiate a new agreement. Maybe God might send his angel to a brilliant doctor researching today for a vaccine, or maybe a politician making important policy decisions. But instead, God sends his angel to someone like us, a normal farm boy, Maybe even worse, hiding in a wine press. <laughs> Gideon is there hiding, threshing his wheat so the Midianites won't come and steal it. He's simply in the business of surviving, getting himself through one more day. Have you felt that way recently? It can almost feel like we're even being told to hunker down. Look only look out for yourselves, like Gideon's doing. Just gonna take care of me and mine. But God God has a bigger purpose for for Gideon. God has kingdom purposes for Gideon. The angel's greeting to Gideon is striking and full of irony. God addresses this cowering boy, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior? This cowering little boy? See, God has just reminded his people who he is, and who they are. And now he begins the same way with Gideon. The Lord is with you. I'm your God, Gideon. And you are my mighty warrior. You are my chosen one. And then he gives him a job, a purpose, a kingdom purpose. Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. God gives Gideon a job, a kingdom purpose. To join God in his redemptive work in the world. And maybe some of us remember the rest of the story. How God carries Gideon to fulfill this purpose. The ways Gideon boldly obeys God and removes the idol worship in the town. The way that Gideon begs God to prove to him that God will really be with him in battle. The way that God graciously provides three proofs for Gideon that he will take care of him. The way that God whittles the army down from 10,000 to 300 to make sure Gideon knows that it is God's grace and power, not by his own strength, that Israel wins the battle. And in the end, the way that God delivers Israel out of the hand of the oppressor through this cowering and starving boy. God steps in, in the midst of crisis, reminds Gideon and all Israel who he is as the one true God, reminds them who they are as his beloved chosen people, and then gives them a kingdom purpose to join God in what he is doing in the world. Do you think we might need some of the same reminders today? I think I do. Although we can talk about many other stories in the Old Testament that display the same pattern, we also see it throughout the New Testament. We see it in Jesus at his baptism when he comes out of the water and hears the words of his Father God. This is my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. From that place of knowing who God is and who he is as a beloved Son, now he proceeds to the crisis. Forty days of fasting and temptation in the wilderness, resisting the temptation of the evil one on behalf of a human race that wasn't able to do it ourselves. We see Jesus kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane on his final night, acknowledging God as his God and remembering his identity as a beloved son, even as he steps forward into his kingdom purposes of his laying down his life for the sake and for the redemption of the world. In Acts, the early church does the same as the persecution hits and they have been reminded of who God is and who they are as God's people, and they, are, they flee in crisis to the ends of the earth. And you know what they do? They respond by living into God's kingdom purposes there, spreading the good news of Jesus to Samaria and, and beyond, to the ends of the earth, even to Spokane, Washington one day. Thanks be to God. There are so many examples we could look at, but I want to highlight just one more. That feels especially appropriate for our situation. I'm really grateful. It was a fun surprise to see our uh, beloved professor, Jerry Sitzer, walk in. And if you've read his book or taken one of his History of Christianity classes, you may have heard about his, one of his favorite early church fathers, Dionysius. He was a bishop of Alexandria in the third century. And he was bishop when a plague hit and decimated the ancient world affecting every level of society. No one was exempt. Sound familiar? In this plague, about one in five of the people in the Roman world died. One in five. Dionysius describes the situation like this. All were shuddering, fleeing, shunning the contagion, impiously exposing their own friends as if with the exclusion of the person Who was sure to die of the plague, one could exclude death itself. 250 AD. So afraid of death, the Romans shunned the sick and the dead, but the Christians were different. The Christians, in general, confident of who God was and who they were as his people, courageously stepped forward into God's kingdom purposes for them, not fearing death because they knew the resurrected Lord. They extended God's love to the suffering and the sick. Christians are not, even at their own risk. As Dionysius describes it, he says, heedless of danger, these Christians took charge of the sick, attended to every need, and ministered to them in Christ. Sorry. And with them, they departed departed life serenely happy. They had a living hope because they knew God and they knew who they were as God's people. And they stepped into God's purposes. And guess what happened? This amazing thing happened. There were incredible side effects, positive things that came about that they never could have expected, these faithful Christians loving their neighbor. Christians actually survived at an incredibly higher rate than everyone else. Because one, they, were care- they were, had someone to care for them and give them some broth to help them stay alive, but also because the ones who cared for them and didn't die ended up gaining immunity and living. And also, as they prayed for people, God worked miracles and healed some, and so more Christians survived. And then after that, when the, the plague had finished, all these Romans looked around and said, who was it who actually lived differently? I want what they want. And multitudes turned to Christ. Sociologist Roddy Stark says that this love in action response by Christians was actually the death blow for paganism in the Roman world. People living into God's kingdom purposes in the midst of crisis was the death blow of paganism. May it be. Now, I'm not suggesting that we ignore recommendations of our health authorities in any form, Those early Christians hadn't gotten to take a class on germs from our wonderful Whitworth health science professors. We need to practice social distancing and hygiene and follow the other recommendations in support of our vulnerable communities and our society. Those are all good things. However, I am suggesting that we have something to learn from Gideon, Jesus, and those early Christians that informs our lives today. As followers of Jesus... Our risen Lord, do we know today who God is? Are we clinging to him as our rock and our refuge, our hope and our deliverer, who has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light? Today, do we know who we are? Do we know who we are as God's people, beloved in Jesus Christ, freed from fear in life or in death? Benjamin, come on up. And today, when we seek God's, seek to discern God's kingdom purposes for us, wherever this disruption and crisis has brought us, how is God concretely inviting us to love people and join in his redemptive work in the way of Jesus in the middle of the crisis? How is God concretely inviting us to love people and join in his redemptive work in the way of Jesus in the middle of this crisis. I believe that the Spirit of God is meeting us today and leading us forward in his purposes in the midst of this crisis as the beloved children of the one true God. Please join us in worship, whether in listening or in singing, wherever you are as we finish.
1: Well, as we close our service today, I want to give a special thanks to our ministry team, to Forrest and the chapel staff, and certainly to our praise band for their flexibility and creativity. I want to thank our tech people as well. And I am convinced and persuaded that God is up to something right now. And we are a people of expectation. We can be assured of God's faithfulness in our lives and in our communities and even at Whitworth. And so wherever this message finds you today, I pray that you will be well, that your family will be well, and that you will be encouraged. So receive this benediction now. May the love of God the Father, the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours now and forevermore. And all of God's people say together, amen. Go in peace. Thank you.